Red Raiders. Hello, Thread Raiders. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators, with the occasional side quest for marshmallows and twigs. <laughs> I am one of your fabulous hosts, David Steele from thesteelempire.com. And I am Chaotic Anarchy from Thread Raiders. And I am Fenwald Griswick. I think now would be a good time for a disclaimer. <laughs> what would the disclaimer say? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dave is a little under the weather today. He's doing his best, <laughs> trooper that he is, showing up under duress and heavily medicated. Please bear with us. So today, of course, we have our great segments. Uh, we have some news. We love the news. What's in the news? All current events. And then we, of course, uh, so <laughs> we will have our sponsor ad. I love the sponsor's ads. You guys are doing a great job with those. <laughs> They're so much fun. And, of course, our longstanding, wonderful sponsor is who, CA? Tabletop Loot. Oh, yeah. They finally got some new dice. Do they? Yes. Four brand new looks. I do always look forward to hearing the new ad because I don't, I don't listen to They're it so until the show They're so cheesy and lovable. <laughs> I love it. Cheese is so good. This week we've added extra cheese. We have a wonderful interview with, uh, now how do you pronounce it correctly? I saw you had it written phonetically. Thambrius. Thambrius. And some people call him Time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like and me. Thyme. And what does he prefer? Did he say with the short Adam. term? Ah! Yeah, he's fine with any of those <laughs> I like it And of course we have our awesome game segment And everyone's favorite, What's in the Box Loving What's in it. the Box I suggest we jump right into it Alright, first up, the news um, <laughs> Scientists at the University of Georgia uh, Are about to put out a study In the June edition of Devel- Developmental Psychology And this is based on research that they did where they interviewed 169 heterosexual couples over the course of 18 months, beginning at their wedding day. And they asked them a series of questions about, you know, uh, is your husband as doting as he used to be? Uh, Is your wife as caring as she used to be? So on and so forth. Okay. Um, Generally speaking, the answers remained the same for the course of the 18 months. However, there were four... Um, takeaways from this particular study. Um, And I'd like to mention them here. Please do. Thank you. Uh, Number one, husbands became more conscientious. So uh, at first, they were a little unsure of themselves in their role in the house. Um, You know, do I take out the garbage? Do you take out the garbage? Do I mow the lawn? Do you mow the lawn? So on and so forth. What? Over time. so weird. They became more, um, you know, uh, not only familiar with what their role is, but also, like, if something were to be out of place, if something was on the floor, they would pick it up, you know, and, and, you know, this is a a good thing. You know, they they started to understand that it's a teamwork sort of effort. (laughs) Number two, wives became less anxious, uh, depressed, and angry. 
So uh, over time, you know, at the beginning of, of marriage, you know, wives are like, why isn't everything perfect? Um, but over time, they became less so, you know, and got a lot more calm and used to uh, being part of married life. So those were the two good takeaways. Uh, but then there were two not so good takeaways. Uh, number three was husbands became less extroverted. So they kind of like uh, shut down a little bit and allowed their wives to be in charge of when they went out and who they went out with and so on and so forth. Um, and then the fourth one was both husbands and wives became less agreeable. Um, over the course of the first 18 months, uh, spats became more uh, popular, if you will. Hmm. So that's the, uh, you know, that's the study, which I thought was interesting. So, it's ridiculous, though. If you, you know, <laughs> I mean, it just shows our society, man. If you're getting married, you don't have that shit worked out already. You know, talk, communicate. Yeah. You should already know that about each other. You know, hey, you know, you talk about kids. If you want to have kids, what you, you know, how you're going to train your kids as, you, as they get, grow up. You have to know all that before you even hook up. That's why there's so many divorces and people are friggin' morons. Ugh. I have to agree with that. I think that um, part of the study, because I was not reading the actual report. I was reading um, an article in Psycho Psychology Today. So okay. um, the full study will probably have like the ages of the married couples. And I would think that this would be more like for the younger couples. Like you get married straight out of high school or straight out of college. And, you know, you're not used to relationships in general yet. Maybe you've never lived with anybody ever. You know what I mean? Um, mm. yeah, this this feels like you know something that would be more for the younger crowd. Right, arranged right, right. marriages or arranged marriages. Hey, <laughs> okay, that's a possibility. There you go. Well, no. So even I think arranged marriages in those cultures they probably train them of what's expected of each other more than we do. That's a possibility too. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking in the beginning that if everybody would just go on the newlywed game, for those of you that are old enough to remember that, mm -hmm, that know. would just that would just take care of all of this. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that next podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bring someone on to play a newlywed game. Yeah. Let's get Chris as a date. Uh oh. That's trouble. <laughs> Underfoot. Oh, I like that. This <laughs> is so exciting, I can barely contain myself. So. Is Bilbo Baggins in this? Uh, oh, he was Underhill. My bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 it takes a very long time to unearth a dinosaur after it's discovered. You have I'm to sure. go out there with very special brushes, um, and in some cases like toothbrushes, to f wipe away the dirt very carefully in order to you know, maintain the integrity of the skeleton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In 2006, uh, they found a dinosaur, a very large dinosaur, out in the, de out in the deserted areas of Utah. Well, it, they finally... <laughs> got to the bottom of this dinosaur this week okay um so that's been 12 years and what they found was that at the moment of his death this dinosaur stepped on another dinosaur wow. and so there was a second dinosaur underneath the foot of the dinosaur that they had been working on so the jurassic park movies are real reality yeah <laughs> The new dinosaur is a, a, a very interesting specimen. It appears that he is a member of the Hermiodins. And the Hermiodins are mammals. They were very uh, small cat-like mammals uh, that lived back in the day. This particular new 
harmiid is called a Cephaliondon wakromoyishi. And that means yellow cat in Ute. <laughs> Can't they just say yellow cat? <laughs> you know how scientists are. They uh, love the foreign yeah. languages. Yeah. Yes. So why is this unusual? Well, so the Harimiadids um, were not present in the time frame of this particular dinosaur until they found one underneath this dinosaur's foot. This dinosaur is dated back to 130 million years ago versus all known Harimidids um, <laughs> date back... Say it again. Ha- <laughs> Harimidids. Nice. Yes. Nailed I love it. when you talk They date back much longer. Uh, for reference, uh, the end of the dinosaurs was 66 million years ago, so this is twice as far back. Um, they took a 3D model of the new dinosaur. Uh, the top of it looks like what would essentially be a bull terrier, if you know what that looks like. And then the bottom of it looks like it was crushed by a five-ton lizard. James Kirkland, a paleontologist from the Utah Geological Survey, said, For a Mesozoic proto-mammal, it was pretty huge. It's like a Godzilla proto-mammal. So there oh. you go. So how did the one that crushed the other one, how did that die? Well, we don't know. Fascinating. Yes. Hmm. I wonder the story that went on. <laughs> uh, ain't that something? It's kind of like stepping on a Lego. but yeah. Small world. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Grizz, you know what I like? What do you like? Marshmallows. Don't you, though? I do. The U.S. Geological Survey has something to say about that. Oh, really? Recently, uh, there have been several volcanic eruptions in Hawaii. I don't know if anybody has seen any of this. They have eaten yeah, several neighborhoods. It's yes. It's quite a There's quite one a like engulfing a car video, isn't there? There's also a, some video of a guy trying to defend his house and being hit in the leg with a ball of fire. <laughs> I mean, that's shit luck right there. The U.S. Geological Society, however, would like you to know that it is not a good idea to roast marshmallows above an erupting volcano. Um, less concerned about the heat of the thing. Uh, they are concerned about sulfur dioxide and hydrogen sulfide, two toxic chemicals that can embed Wait. themselves in the marshmallows. So did this really happen? Someone tried to, mar- <laughs> to cook their marshmallows? Someone oh, no. wrote to the U.S. Guys. Geological Society and oh, asked man. them if it would be okay. And they have said very sternly, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> And that's the same guy that didn't ask his wife who was going to cut the grass. That's right, yes. (laughs) A very young heterosexual male from Georgia. (laughs) California is experimenting with digital license plates. Uh, Basically, this is a flat screen TV on the back of your car. Well, is this for just like electric cars or this is for all cars? This would be for all cars. Uh, the idea is that if you think that your license number is boring, you can spruce it up by having the, uh, we'll call it a television, uh, display funny messages like surfs up or, uh, I don't know, go fuck yourself, whatever whatever the whatever you wanted to say. Uh, it can do that while the car is off. I think it's a dumb idea. So do I. Yeah. This infuriates <laughs> me greatly. Yeah. And cops are going to hate it too. That's going to cause a whole new law and regulations. That's right. Well, think about it. A cop is looking yeah. for a stolen vehicle, which might be parked in a right. parking lot, but the license plate says, hey, dude. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> now they can't and find you your can stuff. you can break that easily, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the device is supposed to contain a low jack type of thing, uh, which will tell you where they dump the license plate after they steal your car. 
You know, so. I read something about uh, a car recently that they're trying to see if they can get the car to run with just air. But the problem is because it's condensed air, that that's how they created it, that it explodes very easily. So they haven't been able to go much further than that. But I thought that was interesting. What? Yeah. There is a very interesting video of a car driving down a freeway when the tank explodes in the car, the compressed air tank, and it mm -hmm. flips the car end over end, and then it comes down again on its wheels. Nobody in the car was injured, but it is a hysterically funny video uh, from, <laughs> you know how like Russians, every Russian car has a camera, so everybody's yeah. recording. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like 50 videos of this car doing an end over end flip. That's awesome. It's quite a thing. <laughs> now I kind of want to oh. Google it. <laughs> and finally in the news today, uh, so more good news from the opioid crisis. Uh, Washington's Department of Fish and Wildlife has reported that they have tested mussels, uh, which live at the base of the, of the river of Puget Sound. Okay. And they have found out uh, that these mussels are testing positive for oxycodone. It turns out that mussels are filter feeders, and so they hmm. uh, are sucking random things out of the water. Sometimes it's pollution, uh, but in this case, so many people in Washington State are using oxycodone that now the mussels are also laced with heroin. Wow. Mm. Yes. Interesting. That's crazy. The Northwest Muscle Appetizer at Ray's Boathouse in Seattle, $16 with an HMO, $87.50 if you're in a short. <laughs> it's a bestseller now, right? <laughs> it's promo time. Hey, CA. Yes, Chris. Did you know that our presenting sponsor this week, Tabletop Loot, just released a new set of dice? I did, because I have a good grace to read other people's Twitter feeds. You said that fight was over. Well, I lied. This set is called Neptune's Grace. The dice are a sparkling blue color with hints of green and adorned with gold numbers. That sounds nice. Listeners, head on to TabletopLoot.com right now to take a look. Although, I think their marketing blurb could use some sprucing up. Just interrupt me. Staring into the blue azure from the beaches of Brittany. Now you're just ignoring me. Your breath taken by the Rococo landscape of rock and ocean. What is happening? Mixed with the insanity of men in horizontal striped shirts. Being professional. A deep and hypnotic blanket of tempest tears and fish parts. Fine. A woman with glass-colored eyes that match the sea rushes to you. No, your goldfish didn't just die. Monsieur, at your feet, is that a nugget of gold? I killed him accidentally with my hair curler. We, oui, you reply. Of course it is. And you did get mail in April. Par la grâce de Saint-Marie, vous êtes riche. I just threw it away. No, not the grace of Saint-Marie. That hat is gaudy. This is Neptune's grace. Available in 16mm. Add to cart or add to wish list. Can I finish, please? Of course. Listeners, head on to tabletoploot.com right now to see some of the amazing new dice sets they have to level up your D&D &D session from plain to pizzazz. Tabletop loot, loot for every table. And now, back to our show. I believe it's game time. Uh, what's going on in the gaming world? All right, so yes, this week I did play a new game. Um, the name of the game is Oh Sir... O dot 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 sir exclamation point the insult simulator um, now this sounds 
Insulting. This was actually a very interesting <laughs> game. Okay, it sounds very odd. Um, it does. Basically, you are a, a a person from London. Okay, and they give you a certain scenario. So there are four scenarios in the game. One of them is you go to a park and there is a dead guy in the park and somebody uh, walks up to you and accuses you of killing the guy. And as a result, you have decided to insult your accuser. Okay. There's also another um, scenario where you get onto a train and it's a London train. So it has like one of those box uh, like in Harry Potter when, you know, they go into like their own little compartment and it has like a door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you go into your compartment, and it turns out somebody else is already there, and so you're now arguing with each other over whose compartment it is, and it devolves into insults. The mechanics of the game are basically they give you nine nouns or verbs or conjugations or whatever um, to, that you can choose in order to build your insult. And so if you're the person who goes first you get your choice of all the good stuff versus if you're not going first, then, you know, it can get a little dicey. Some of them are really funny. Others are a little confusing and weird. Um, if you'd like, I can give you some examples of some of the insults that I was able to generate. I would like that. Please. Your country changes into your hat. Worth three points. Your country. Wait, wait a minute. I don't your get country that, yeah. changes into your hat. What does that mean? I'm sorry. That's as uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. I think. That's an insult. No, no, I don't think it is. How do you explain it? Um. Well, <laughs> I explain it by the game gave me nine nine nouns, and that was what I had to choose from. And you got points for it. Three points. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, I got you. Mm. Now something a little bit better. Your mother is old and foul-smelling. See, now I get that. Yes. I like that. Your mother is old and probably murdered a strange woman at the bottom of the pond. <laughs> it's okay. a little lengthy, but okay. Your country was defeated by this lake, mister. Mm. And so now that one's worth 19 points. And the reason why is because oh uh, it was the second time in the same series of insults that I had used country. So you get two points okay. for that. You get, I'm um, sorry, double points for that. And then you also get double points because of the mister at the end. That's considered extra rude. Huh. Other examples. Mr. Your house wanted to be this poor man and bothers me, exclamation point. Your wife looks like you. Your house <laughs> hides in this shrubbery and looks like your pimply ass. Oh, jeez. Your sense of style is racist and never watched Star Wars. Your Ooh. sister probably murdered this conversation. Oh, jeez. Mm. Your sister is naughty <laughs> and gets turned on by tentacles. This is getting hot! Jeez. <laughs> that sounds hot. So basically, there is a very odd scoring system which determines whether or not you win or not. Um, I would like to point out that there is some sort of inconsistency there because there was a lot of you, went, you get like times two for this or times two for that. But the score ends in an odd number, which is impossible if you multiplied it by two. So as I'm a little confused, and there is no instructions as to how the scoring happens. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, as long as you add some sort of nifty rude ending at the end, you know, that seems to be the best way to win your conversation. And who do you go against, the computer or other players? So actually, it's both. You can uh, play against regular people, um, but their insults are also weird because they're doing the same gaming system that you are sounds like a complete waste of time but uh. <laughs> yeah I, I don't think that would be something i would play well for a dollar 99 yeah. it was worth a shot 
(laughs) (laughs) I can see why people would like it, though. My best insult was, your wife never watched Star Wars, which will make you die or go insane. 33 (laughs) points. We have a special treat this time, don't we, Chris? That's right. It's a second game. Well, I am sweet as sugar. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that about you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I actually get to do a game of the week. I'm pretty excited about it. Yes. I have downloaded and played Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Really good game. On what? What are you playing it on? I am playing it on the PS4. Cool. I like to play on the PlayStation 4 more than any of my other systems just because I can do that share play option with my friends. So uh, Daquan has been (laughs) staying with me through all of the scary parts since (laughs) sometimes I have trouble getting through the horror, you know, games by myself. Sharing the horror. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Resident Evil, I've played all of the Resident Evil games. I'm a huge fan. I've done some cosplay for uh, Resident Evil as well. I even watch the movies. Uh, So what I really like about this is first off the graphics. That's a huge thing for me. Uh, When I download a game, it has to have good graphics for me to kind of hang in there. Um, Unless it's for a platformer game, I kind of give it some some slack. But with when it comes to Resident Evil, I was really looking forward to it, and I really think that they did a great job. It was very realistic. Uh, you can also play this with virtual reality, which I can't imagine. I'd be pretty terrified <laughs> to mm-hmm. play that. Uh, there's not only jump scares. There's, like, in-your-face scares. like and, and some of the enemies do not die, so that adds to a certain terror to the game itself. Um, The inventory that you had from the original games, uh, when you collect items, you only have a certain amount of slots. That's still there, uh, but how you organize your inventory is a lot easier. Um, Before, you used to have to move each item around so that you could fit everything in. They changed that. Yeah, so it was good. Uh, The original Resident Evil games, you could only save once in a while uh, when you found ribbon for your typewriter. Um, however, in this case, you can save as many times as you want with your recorder. So that's a big difference, too, for those who have trouble playing these games or die a lot. Uh, you can save as many times as you would like. So that's very challenging. Um, otherwise, with the doors, and that's a very big thing in Resident Evil, um, being able to go through several different doors, finding different keys, all of that is the same. There are puzzles in the game. Uh, I didn't feel like there's a lot of them. But the Mm. puzzles that are in the game, I feel that most people could accomplish. I don't feel like one was harder than the other. Um, I think they did a good job with that. Uh, So I don't feel like most people would get stuck in the game. I think it's got a good flow to it. So it's Mm. not like you're stuck at one level for a prolonged period of time. I think they did um, an awesome job. So I would recommend the game. Cool. I have to throw in that I did play the VR. Um, oh, for the PlayStation, we have PlayStation VR. Oh my God! It's terrifying. Yeah. I yes, it's imagine. insane. So I did not finish the game. Obviously, I peed my pants several times. No, now, where yeah. did you play it? At home. What do you mean? Oh, so you have it? You have the virtual reality? I do. Yeah. So <gasps> next time we have a party, I'll bring it over. Yeah, you know it. What's yeah. your favorite game for the virtual reality system? Oh God, you know I like to. There's like little things you can download. Um, mm-hmm. There's some little fun weird things like is it Wii Sports no 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 <laughs> it's underwater adventure like you're the, my favorite things are just exploring things like you go to Paris and like you're actually on the street and so it's like a it's kind of like a film like so you're in there you're actually there and it's just a cool view because you can look all around it's like you're standing on the street it's pretty amazing yeah. and um, they have this underwater one where you're actually you go down in this 
um, the shark cage, and they lower you down. And you see this all this, you know, the fish swimming around, and you can look, spin your head all the way around and up and down. And mm-hmm. then you have a shark comes by and, like, hits the cage, just scares you. Nice. <laughs> but it's just the, the imagery of it I love the best. That's my favorite part of, of, uh, of VR. But mm-hmm. the... Um, uh, some of these games make me sick, uh, like even the virtual reality, be- or excuse me, the one you said, the Resident 7. Yeah. Because you got to look around quick and you're scared. So when you spin your head around a lot, it's it definitely causes nausea. And um, I would feel like it would cause all kinds of things. Like I'd be crazy moving around and like back injuries, I'm sure, over <laughs> myself. Like... No, well, because you're basically, you're set up, um, you have, and you could do a couple of them. You can do sticks, uh, the things in your hands, um, the move controllers. You can use an actual physical controller. So when you use the controller itself, you're not walking or anything. So, you you know, you move that. So you're sitting in one spot. So the only thing you're really doing is spinning your head around, looking around you. Oh, Um, so so the sticks are to help you move? Yeah, you move forward uh, so you're not, you don't have to actually walk. Yeah, so that's a a benefit. Um, Takes away from the immersion a little bit, but Mm -hmm. not enough. I mean, if you did the walking yourself, it probably would help with the nausea, I guess, but... Oh, it's definitely weird. Well, nothing takes away yeah. from the immersion like slamming into the wall wall while you're wandering around. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And I've played them mostly sitting down, like on a swivel chair, like an office chair. Mm-hmm. And I've liked it that way. But, yeah, it's a cool thing. It's not something that we play all the time because uh, it does uh, it does make you nauseous when you're playing the action games. So mm-hmm. that you really want to enjoy those, which I really can't. Um, so once you do these other... Uh, virtual reality tours, I call them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's you don't really have to go and do them again. So, but see, cool. like I didn't uh, play with the sticks. I did a play test for a company for virtual reality system, and yeah. they had gloves that they used in order yeah. to be able to move around, and that was rather interesting. But yeah. the graphics are really, really important. I feel for virtual reality; otherwise, it loses its effects completely. Yeah, I don't think so. To me, I've heard really? that a lot, um, and the graphics are usually a little less because mm-hmm. of the virtual reality. They have to go into both lenses, so they're splitting like your video card power. Right. Um, so they're usually not as good as a regular one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't find like I know Resident Evil Seven is like that, where it's it's definitely different in the yeah. virtual reality. It's a little dumbed down, but that that doesn't matter to me because it still scares you the hell out. Like it's like mm-hmm. you're still scared by it. I mean, it's still the creepy dark areas that you're yeah. seeing. It doesn't take away from that. And the you know the people coming at you might not look perfect, but it's still some nasty looking thing running at you screaming with a knife. Yeah. So and in that particular game, like everybody's in your face all the yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god. Like, How about I that kitchen? Play... The kitchen just oh, blows no. my mind. That's actually the demo in VR. The kitchen thing. Oh no, my god. No, the garage got me. Oh it's no. No spoilers. No spoilers. Oh, it was rough, guys. <laughs> <laughs> And so to wrap up the gaming segment, uh, there was one sad announcement this week. Um, Total Biscuit, yeah. uh, game oh, critic extraordinaire, no, passed so away at the age of 33. Uh, he will be sorely missed. Uh, he had lived for quite some time with stage four cancer, and uh, he had gone into the hospital uh, seemingly, uh, you know, he was having some sort of medical problem. We don't know exactly what it was, but they were expecting him to come back out, and he just did not make it. So, yeah. And his wife is going to be um, continuing on the business, hopefully. Right? That's correct. Um, they had, among other things, you know, the uh, Total Biscuit channel, and uh, part of that was the co-optional podcast, uh, which was a weekly game review uh, where he 
Dodger and Jesse Cox, plus a guest, would talk about the games that they played for hours. They would talk. Um, and so they are still apparently continuing or you know, planning to continue with that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for Dodger and Jesse Cox, I mean, they all, you know, the three of them were incredibly close. Um, you know, and there were others who were regulars on the show who were all very close friends. And that's a tough, uh, you know, it's a tough week for them. So yeah. go give them some love uh, on Twitter. We are controlling transmission. All right. So now CA and I are going to conduct our quasi waterboarding interview segment. <laughs> Today's almost willing victim will be none other than fellow Thread Raider Thambrius. Am I pronouncing that right? Um, you can pronounce it however you want. Um, I'm pretty sure every single possible pronunciation has been gone through. Um, you can shorten it to time. You can call me Adam. How, how would you pronounce it? Thambrius. So I was right. I I'll want that on the record. I was time. right. <laughs> it's, it's much easier to shorten it. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. Adam. Yes. <laughs> Now, I find that name very interesting. Uh, which one? Thambrius. Um, it's, it... I mean, Adam's interesting, too. Yes, Adam is a very interesting <laughs> name. Here's something that I know about you. Mm-hmm. You're a creative writing major. Yes. Right? Yep. And so that got me thinking. When I saw the name Thambrius, I started thinking to myself, you know, that looks a lot like Latin. It might be. And then I started to break it down a little bit. <laughs> and so Aeus, A-E-U-S, mm-hmm. right? That's Latin. That's just like in English, you add E-R to the end of a sentence. Yeah. A-E-U-S adds E-R. Okay. <laughs> well, Thimbrium, right, is mm-hmm. also Latin, which is a town in Turkey known today as Thimbria <laughs> or Thambria, if you're from the area. I'm not. And that's also the name <laughs> of the plains in the area. And that's oh. also the name of the river in the area. And I thought to myself, that name sounds familiar. And here it turns out that it's from the Iliad, uh-huh. which is the location of a major temple to Apollo yep. during ancient Greek times. It was a huge major area. It was the same place where Achilles murdered Trollius, the son of <laughs> King Priam. There's a lot involved with this name. It's, it's to also, mark the end of the fall of Troy. It's also yeah. a uh, species of butterfly, I believe. Is it? Yes. Oh. Uh, do you want to know the totally horrifically way less interesting way that I came up with it? Yes. Absolutely. I was not a big, like, console gamer growing up. I played PC. Um, like, we grew up... We ac- I actually started on a Macintosh Apple um, that, nice. that you had to, like, <laughs> remove the mouse from and plug in the joystick, and it was about, like, six inches tall? Uh, and that's including everything, um, like the screen, the tower, which was the base. And then I went to college, and the dude across the hall from me in my second year uh, invited me over to play, like, Halo and, like, Mass Effect and all that stuff. And that's what got me playing consoles. But at one point, I had to get a gamer tag. And I was like, okay, here, how about this? I don't even remember what I put in. It's like, no, that's already been taken. And I like went through five other different things, and every single one was taken. So I eventually just pulled up a website online that had that <laughs> randomly gem- generated names, uh, mm. and that was one of them. <laughs> that is awesome. There is zero thought on my part put into that name. And Best generator ever. It was. Like, it <laughs> yeah, was, you're not kidding. And it was yeah. like, there was a ton of them where it was like, like, 
sniper killer XXY and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then there was one that I'm like, that looks like a not stupid name that I can continue using and after I'm like 19. So an online name generator mm-hmm. gave you the Latin name of the ambusher. Uh-huh. That's what you're telling yeah. me? That's fantastic. It, uh, yeah, and I like looked, I like saw it, I'm like, that looks like a cool name. And I looked it up, and I'm like, huh, you know, big thing about Apollo. Hey, look, it's a butterfly. Why the freaking hell not? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I could talk about Latin all day long, but there is a much more pressing topic. It's my understanding... <laughs> That you are a big K-pop fan. I, uh, oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, tell me. Do you think that Jong Si-woon it will be the next to anyone? And if so, are you telling me that Wacky Meki fans uh, can suck it? <laughs> see, see, I'm, I'm not a big to anyone fan. Oh. I'm not. Oh. Like, that's dangerous talk. I know it is. I know it is. Oh, see. Okay. So, I got... When I was, like, 22, 23 years old... Um, I considered teaching English overseas um, oh, in awesome. Korea because it's one of the least like horrific places to teach. Mm-hmm. Sure. For any of the um, like Japan, China, and Korea, um, the requirements are a lot more lax. So like mm-hmm. you don't have to have X, Y, and Z. You don't have to be a teacher to go over there. But first, because I'm I like music. Um, like in addition to being a creative writing major, I was a music minor. Um, and so I was like, I need to be able, I need to know if I can stand listening to the radio over there. (laughs) And so I pulled up, I like just typed K-pop into, uh, YouTube. And the first thing that came up was big bangs, bang, bang, bang. Sure. (laughs) Which I don't know if either of you have heard. Yep. Yep. It's fantastic. (laughs) It is like, it is K-pop just kind of like boiled down. Because mm-hmm. it is absolutely bizarre, absolutely over the top, and just like you, it's one of those things where if you're watching it, part of you is like constantly looking around to make sure nobody's coming up behind you and like looking over your shoulder because they're totally not going to understand what's going on and they will very much <laughs> judge you. Um, it's like, why are you watching these young men bursting out of the sand and glitter? And it's like, you you wouldn't understand, mom. <laughs> Block B. When I, I'm a Black B fan. Uh, BTS, of course, as everybody is. Well, it's funny. It's funny that you bring up BTS because I looked at the top twenty list of the highest selling K-pop bands ever. Oh yeah. And there's TVXQ, there's HOT, there's EXO, SES, GOD. <laughs> oh yeah, no. KARA. They're big fans of letters. Yes, yeah, big fans of letters. What do you just like get a random mix of Latin letters through some? Well, uh, is there like some sort of K-pop? website name generator See, for, that like, just throws together guys, random latin letters i know for a lot of them um it's just like they're they actually have like full names and it's like multiple words and everything but they'll just like take the first letters like um i think bts is like abbreviated where they're from have you considered uh changing the your character's name in threads of fate to k-i-y-n uh, like that's not his na- actual name I don't know if we'll ever actually find out his real name, um, but that's not his name. Um, but, like, it's it's part of the whole, like, he gave up his name and became disgraced um, when he was, like, he threw away his name. His sword doesn't have a name anymore because it doesn't deserve one. Nice. Yeah. No, it was fun. Like, I'm one of those weird people who really likes making characters, like, almost as much as playing characters. I'm pretty sure half our community is. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I just, 
Especially being like a creative writer major, I'm sure that's awesome. It 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 really it. like mm-hmm. I just, I make backstories for everybody. Like all of my NPCs in the game that I'm running, like they all have like way too much backstory that no one will ever find out about. Aww. Ever, but that's okay. <laughs> Do you ever go into a new game and you're like, all right, so here are your backstories, and you just start handing them out to the people at the table? <laughs> I don't because I would hate that if somebody did that to me. Um, for the Wednesday game that we're doing, I sat down and I'm like, guys, tell me your backstory. Like, I want you guys to tell me. I gave them almost free reign on everything. And then I went, okay, here's what we're going to change. And it was mostly stuff because, like, it's a homebrew world. So, like, there's stuff that they don't know about. There's, like, little tiny changes that I'm like, oh, you, it's like, it's this kind of thing instead of this. All right, so I want to switch up here a little bit. Um, so you are also a YouTuber and a Twitch streamer, right? Um, I was a YouTuber. I don't know if, I, I don't really consider myself to be anymore. Uh, I was in college. Um, I got started because, um, and I made, uh, CA watch this guy, um, Northern <laughs> Lion. Uh, yes. he's fantastic. He's Canadian. Yeah, he's, he is. he's ridiculous. He's a dad. He's not a dad, but he's a dad. Like, he makes dad jokes constantly. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. when he started doing merch, I think his first piece of merch was, like, a shirt that said, uh, like, the dad club or something. Uh, (laughs) But, like, I started watching, and I was like, this is fantastic. Like, I want to try doing this. So I started, and I did, like, basic – I did a lot of, like, um, CRPGs, like, the old, like, isometric stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. When Shadowrun Returns first came out, like, I – put out a video of that that the first day it came out and like I played through it and that I think that was like the biggest uh series on my channel but then like life happened uh yeah right mm-hmm. and well I would think you would prefer the more um RPG related games because then you can be creative with yeah like it, mm-hmm. it it can be a little bit like you can change things up and you there's always something new so like the RPGs were like i I think they were what I was doing when I stopped playing. Um, but I do do Twitch. Um, I'm going to be getting back into it starting with uh, Pillars of Eternity because I never finished the first one. And the second one came out, and it's got the entire Vox Machina. Yeah. Yay. I actually played... Pillars of Eternity was a game... Uh, when it came out, it was like 2015 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was Paradox Entertainment? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, they actually released a second game, which had nothing to do with Pillars of, Enter- of Eternity from a story point of view, but it used the exact same mechanics and code, and it was called Tyranny. Which is, it looked amazing. It is. It is an excellent game. Um, it is all about, you know, like, your reputation, and it goes beyond, like, good versus evil you play the as bad a dichotomy. Guy, right? Well, the thing of it is, is that you are just playing you. And whether you're good or evil depends upon your personal outlook. And it comes down to the factions. If you help out a faction, then they think you're good. And if you don't help a faction, then they think you're evil. And some of the choices, man, are really interesting. Uh, I really enjoyed that game. Paradox has been doing some really interesting stuff. Absolutely. Um, And, like, I was introduced to them with um, Crusader Kings 2, which is the greatest, weirdest, like... Most addictive. It is. It really yeah. is. Um, like it's such a fun game, um, and the modding community out there is amazing for it. Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, I actually did one a uh, playthrough on my YouTube channel where I was playing. It's like the like post-apocalyptic um, United States of America, 
and it's like <laughs> re it's gone back into like du- uh, duchies and kingdoms and stuff and like i played like the duke of georgia or something <laughs> um, <laughs> but like the crusader kings 2 is amazing but now they've started doing a lot more like less grand st- uh, strategy stuff and they actually own the rights to uh the uh vampire the masquerade yes. that's coming out yes um and i they've there's been a little bit of whispering about like a sequel or something to bloodlines but whenever anybody brings it up like they're always like oh yeah we're planning on making it but it's going to be when the time's right yeah right so mm-hmm. i don't know if it's going to be any time at all soon <laughs> and the other part of that is that all their games go through Kickstarter, so they they have to kind of generate that mm-hmm. uh, hype first before they yeah. you know can get their ducks in a row. So you stream on the Thread Raiders Twitch channel on Wednesdays, is that correct? I do, yes. All right, and this is Yardall, a wolf age, correct? Yes, yes, it all is. All right, tell us more a little bit about that. What inspired you to create it? Um. So I was raised with lots and lots of books around me, um, mm-hmm. like a lot of books, because I grew up like 20 minutes ar- away from like the nearest thing. Were you an orphan in a library? Uh, no, but I did spend a <laughs> ridiculous amount of time in our local library where like every single librarian knew me. Um, nice. Like all of them <laughs> knew me by first name basis. Um, but no, I grew up in the middle of a national forest. Uh, 20 minutes away from the nearest town. Um, so you were a druid? Yeah, pretty much, or a <laughs> ranger. Um, but, like, they, I grew up with a lot of books around me, and for some reason, uh, the, like, the Merlin and Arthurian legends, um, we mm-hmm. had tons of folklore. Um, we had, like, tons of just these old myths and stuff books lying around. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was because of my brother, because uh, he was big on this stuff, and he was the person who got me into them. He was he played D. He was actually the person who introduced me to D and D. I cannot thank him enough for that. He's a good man. He he is he is. Um, I'm from northern Minnesota. I'm from the place that sets the con the records lows for the continental <laughs> U.S. Um, Ooh, like oh geez. yeah, no, that's where I'm from. An indoorsy kind of place. It really is, and so like there's with all of this stuff, like it's just like. The Norse like mythology and stuff always really really intrigued me, um, and so especially like when they came out with Skyrim, I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever because I was already a big fan. Morrowind was where I got into the Elder Scrolls series, and it's still my favorite because everything is so bizarre and alien in it. Um, but when it came to uh, Hjardal, I was like, I want to make a giant world. I took all of the gods from Norse and uh, other, like, Slavic and pagan religions, uh, Celtic religions, um, and I just, I basically smashed all of these religions and mythologies together to make this kind of hodgepodge. Um, When I was coming up with it, I spent days and weeks just, like, going through, like, myths and stuff and finding what aspects of different things I wanted to introduce. Um, like Loki is one of the gods in my, in my world and he's horrible. He is awful. He is the Norse religion Loki, not the Marvel Loki. Who is that? I was just going to ask that. And I, I like, I told my players this when we started, I'm like, just so you know, Loki's a horrible person. (laughs) Like he is an awful person. Like he just goes around killing and like making babies that is what he does and all of his Mm. babies are monsters 
that are going to kill people. That is their only job in life. One of the things that I really thought was disturbing and interesting, um, and I incorporated it into the world, was there is a um, myth where it's like, he lies or so- I can't remember the exact thing, but they end up like sewing his mouth shut so that he oh, can't geez. speak anymore. And so that is why in my, uh, in my world, like each of the gods have like, it's like blank, the blank. So it's Thor, the thunderer, um, Heimdall, the, uh, ever vigilant. And for Loki, That's it's good. Loki, the silenced because he has his, like his hands are bound in iron, like an iron slab, um, and his mouth has been stitched shut in an attempt to make it so he can't bring evil to the world. It's a fantastic world, and my players are awesome. Like, they are a great group of people. Um, now, what is the system that you use? Um, it is straight up 5e. Um, there is okay. a couple things that I like. we've homebrewed. Um, I've incorporated Matt Mercer's uh, rule for resurrection, Mm-hmm. Uh, because he just released it, um, like the specifics for it, he just released it the other day, and oh, I was, I yeah, it's fantastic. Like, it's so awesome. It, it's yeah. really cool because, like, one of the things that I re- I loved that about Critical Role um, when I was watching that, like, you had to roll to bring someone back to life because death is a little bit meaningless in D and D, and when there's no chance for death, there's less threat and like i my my players basically started out the like campaign by informing me that they were going to tpk on session one um (laughs) and i was like okay good luck with that well it's a lot like your threads of fate game they have death in that game uh we haven't had anybody die really everybody's everybody's died but we've had (laughs) one person die die um, we we were we've talked about this on the sh- uh, on like our group chat every once in a while where it's like um, we had Vathrus and Vathrus died like five times mm-hmm. and like he always kept getting back brought back by like the most ridiculous circumstances. <laughs> it's a very I killed Kenny situation. It was. It was just like <laughs> he came back and then he like died like the next session and then he came back and then he died like two sessions later and then he came back and then he died on our last session on like the second to last session of uh the Strahd arc. Can is my character is the only one who hasn't died yet. Oh, see now you jinx. That. I know, no, I, I'm very like, <laughs> and, you're, and you're playing. Tonight. I'm playing tonight, and I'm like alone. I'm I'm not worried about it. I'm a very positive person, and I <laughs> I don't have that severe connection to my characters that a lot of people do, um, because I believe that characters are meant to be played, and if they die, unless it's a really shit way to die, um, yeah. like that's okay, and especially with Kan. If it's something that helps the party, I can totally see him being okay with dying. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay if he dies, because like I'm also I've got a backup character who's way more uh, chaotic um, and way more like my normal ca- characters. Because Kane is not my normal type of character, which is part of the reason yeah. that I love playing him. Yeah, um, how do you feel about playing a character that's both Japanese and plain touch? Um, he's fun. He's great. He's <laughs> He's the sexy samurai dad of the group. Um, (laughs) And, like, I didn't realize until after I had created him that, like, everybody else was basically teenagers. And I made, like, a... I think he's, like, 31. So he's not, like, old. 
But he comes across as a lot older because he's just this like really run down like he like he's he's a fallen Asimar. And so like he, the reason that we I gave for him being a fallen Asimar because I didn't want him to be like evil um was just mm-hmm. that like he um he was a samurai training under one of the houses the noble houses uh and the like in the world and the part of the country that that comes the country that it comes from there's like constant fighting between the houses and mm-hmm. i had like his the house that he served got taken over by another house and whereas his uh master former master had been noble and righteous and blah 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 uh, the new guy was just an asshole um <laughs> used his his like position of power to extort money and do horrible things and so it was just this like utter like seeing his way of life be just inverted and just like what he knew to be right, seeing something that should not happen according to his code, where the righteous and like just person gets defeated by someone who is obviously just evil. Yeah, right. Ended up just breaking him. And he ends up running away and killing three people who didn't deserve to die, but were trying to stop him from running away. And like, he just, he, is in disgrace and like it wears on like that would be a traumatic experience um and then he's kind of found this group of people which are basically like his the his he if not like his family it's the people he has to protect Mm -hmm. i like the bond that he has with them like it's it's very much like i'm looking out for these people and it's it's very kane is not my normal character my normal characters are very much more chaotic and spur of the moment. Uh, it's very interesting to play someone who's calm and reserved and like doesn't isn't okay with jumping in at a fight immediately. Mm-hmm. But it's it. I like playing different characters. Like it's fun no yeah. matter what. Yeah, right. Well, you get to explore different sides of. Maybe not your personality, but other people's personalities, and mm. that's a a great mm-hmm. way to see, you know, the world through other people's uh, through other people's eyes. I definitely pick like whenever I'm making a character, I will definitely pick one aspect of myself and like crank it up to eleven. Like uh, for Kayan, it's like my I'm 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 a protective person, and I'm a like I'm a generally calm person, and so I just like took those and I cranked them all the way up, and I'm like I'm gonna make somebody who's very passive. Uh, more or less, like, he gets a little bit fired up occasionally. But, like, it's the protectiveness, the justice aspect. Um, and I think my my most favorite character I've ever played was a, war, a warlock of the fiend. Um, and he was just my curiosity cranked up to, like, 15. Like, <laughs> and he was, he, he was lawful evil. And he was, he exploded a mine while, while we were still in it. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, it turns out all that gas was flammable. And he was curious about that, so he set it on <laughs> a fire. Too curious. Like he just was like, "Okay, awesome, firebolt." And the entire mine we were in went up in flames, and we barely made it out alive. But it was awesome. Like everybody, like half of the people in the, who were in the party, just like looked at me and went, "You're such a moron." And the other <laughs> half went, "Thank you for doing that. I wanted to do that, but my character wouldn't do that." <laughs> Yeah, it's tough to kind of keep it separate on what you would do as a person and what your character would do. Mm-hmm. It's that happens a lot, I see it, in the games. It's 
that has been the biggest thing for Threads of Fate. Um, it's happened a few times where I've gone with what Adam wants over what Kayan wants. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest one that jumps to mind is uh, distracting uh, the dude in Barovia so that Mal could try and pickpocket his Moonblade. Um, <laughs> which, if anybody is listening, doesn't know how Moonblades work, if you don't own it, you can't use it. Like, <laughs> it hurts you if you try using it because it is attuned to the person who uses it. Um, but I was just like, I want to, like, I don't know how, uh, our DM is doing, is like treating this. So like, why not? Like, even after I do it, I was like, that was, that was me, not can. That was very <laughs> much me. Like, but I could, I couldn't not let that one, like, at least let her try for it. Cause that yeah. would have been freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Listen, sometimes you just got to steal something just to brag about it. <laughs> My first character I ever made. Um, was for Pathfinder, like, that I made, not that some, like, because my brother made my first few characters. He asked me what I wanted, and I was like, here's what I want to be able to do. Um, And he helped me a little bit with my bard, but I was like, I want to be able to talk. That is what I want to be able to do. Um, So he made me a uh, charlatan uh, bard in Pathfinder, and I stole the eyes off of an evil demon statue with it. Like, that was, like, the first thing... That's the first thing I remember of that campaign. Is, like, see, we were in this mine, and there were these... There was a statue to an evil god, and I'm like, what are its eyes made out of? <laughs> and it was like, they look like precious jo- stones. And I'm like, I want to take them. Uh-oh. And everybody else in the party was like, don't do that. I'm like, but I really want to <laughs> take them. Like, Let us leave first. I'm like, cool, leave. I'm going to stay here and try to take these. And I did... And nothing happened. Um, and everybody was just like, oh. And, and it, it for my character, it validated that method of thinking. Where, like, see, nothing bad will happen. I can steal whatever I want. I can take whatever I want, and nothing bad will happen. If I take the eyes out of a statue to an evil god, and nothing happens to me, this is okay. And I don't think anything bad ever happened to that character for stealing. He is. We did have to put that campaign on hiatus, and he is now permanently a woman. Uh, because he has to pretend to be a woman for something. It has been years since we played that campaign. I just remember him like having to live as a woman to keep up appearances of like somebody still being alive. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, we, we support all kinds of lifestyles here. He he he's he lost his hair to a a cursed like enemy biting him. Um, like everything awful happened and then, and now he's just like leave, living as a noble woman and he's just like, this is fantastic. Everything gets taken care of for me. Well, I tell you what, Thambrius, we are very excited about Yardle. For those of you who are interested in also following this, uh, Thambrius has set up a Twitter account specifically for Yardle. Um, it is at Yardle AP, that's H-J-A-R-D-A-A-L-A-P. And you can also watch Yardle a Wolf's Age on Wednesday nights on the Thread Raider Twitch channel as well. Well, Adam, thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, no problem. It was great to be here. Yay! What's in the box? What's in the box? And now it's time for What's in the Box, our weekly segment where I ask my co-host to answer the most difficult question in the world. Everybody ready? Yep. Ready. All right. The mouth of the evil cave spits you out <laughs> like an <laughs> unexpected... That was a good start. I like that. The mouth... <laughs> The organ is... Your... Oh, sorry. What a beginning. Mm-hmm. 
So dirty. So dirty. I don't even know. I'm why am I on this podcast? I'm such a clean person. every word. <laughs> <laughs> Lies. The mouth of the cave <laughs> yes. spits you out like an unexpected jalapeno. <laughs> Mm. You run faster than Jason Statham in a crank sequel toward the nearby bay, <laughs> desperately shedding hallucinogenic dust-covered armor along the way. You blast by Molly and Poodle, who regard you incredulously. Hello. You hear Poodle remark, These humans are so stupid! If it wasn't for us, this one would be a stew by now! I hate Poodle. <laughs> I have to tell you. You decide to have it out with Poodle's snarky attitude at some other time and tear through the sand dunes like a hot knife through butter. Splash. Cool, refreshing seawater. Covered in kelp and interrupting the life of an innocent sea crab, you stand in the waves Aww. as the madness literally washes off I'll of you. You look back at the beach and see a line of your possessions stretching back towards the cave. Whoa. That was a close one. But as you go to walk back to your camp, your right big toe experiences a throbbing yet non-life-threatening pain. You have stubbed it against something in the surf. You reach Ooh. down and pull on the offending object, which lies at your feet half buried in years of shifting sands. After a minute of wrestling, it comes free. It's a suit of armor with a skeleton in it. You hastily step back from the shock, tripping over another obstruction. Another minute of wrestling brings up another armored skeleton. Then another. Then another. After an hour, the seething foam of high tide gives way to a clearer, calmer water. From the beach, you can clearly see two dozen half-buried knights and other poorly prepared cave hunters entombed at the shoreline. Their armor has deteriorated, and your hopes of finding anything of value at first seem dashed. But then, a green glint catches your eye. You swim out several meters and dive down multiple times until you come up with a box. A cigar box, to be precise. The box is surprisingly well-preserved, given the armor of the dead knight who was clutching it had nearly rusted away. It is made of heavy metal and is encrusted with many fake jewels. But the large green gem at the top that is used as a handle to open the lid is as close to real as a fate can be. It is sealed with an intricate locking mechanism of sliding metal bars that sadly are also rusting away. You stumble back up the beach and back to camp. But before you pop the lock with a hammer, you take a moment to erect a makeshift sign at the mouth of the cave made of driftwood and twine. Using some ink from your kit, you write the words, Do not blow anyone who's coffin, but then you run out of wood. Close enough. Oh, now back to reality. You run out of wood. Back to oh. camp. Back to the box. My question for you is this. What's in the box? All right. So we have no wood. No wood. You are woodless. Right. Sad. Hmm. A world with no wood is no world to live in. <laughs> You never know what the new morning might bring. That's true. <laughs> Always morning wood. I opened the mouth of the box. <laughs> and what do you put in it? Uh, am I putting... Ho oh, ho! Oh. Plot twist! <laughs> uh, right, we're putting something in it this time? Oh, yeah. What are you putting in the box? <laughs> oh, God. I don't have anything. 
no. It's okay. You Fine. What do you out. take out of the box? <laughs> so I open the box. And I see uh, a little ring. Ooh. And it seems to... It looks like it's bronze. Uh, made of bronze. And it seems to have a bunch of those same emeralds. Just smaller size. Uh, all around it. Gotcha. Like, so um, you, you can imagine that they're probably fake as well. They go all the way around? All the way around. Nice. Uh, is there an inscription on the ring? There is not. Um, I put the ring on. And it chops what your finger off. What did you do? <gasps> oh, no! My finger! What were you thinking? And the ring falls to the ground. Oh, no. I pick it up. So, the finger or the ring? The ring. You can have his finger. So it's more a cigar cutter in a cigar box than it is a ring in a cigar yeah, box. That's right. Nice. <laughs> Automatic. I show the ring to Poodle. I'm like, look what he did. <laughs> okay, it's my turn. CA, what's in your box? You open I the love box. that question. <laughs> and inside you see a vase. Really? You do. Is it a regular size vase or is it something that is like trunk down? No, it's a regular size vase and it looks blue. It has like a, a marble coloring of blue onto it. Alright. I I put my I put it on my finger. The vase? <laughs> I put it on my wood. Where your finger used to be, or I put it on your wood? Yeah, I put my finger in the vase, and I take it to the nearest doctor. <laughs> you go to grab it, and as you hold it in your hand, it becomes sand and falls to the floor, and when it gets to the floor, it becomes a vase again. Oh. Ooh. Playing hard to get. Mm. <laughs> so is there any way, is there any, what's on the bottom of the vase? Can I see what's on the bottom of the vase? No, because when you picked it up, it became sand, so you can see it. If I touch it at all, does it become? No, you can touch it. You just can't pick it up. All right, so, so we can knock it over. I yes, mm -hmm. I finger it a little bit until I get it to look at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Oh my you, Wait, goodness. do you finger it with your You're finger? My does it say like made in China? Cut off. I feel like. <laughs> If I had known this was going to happen to my vase, I would have created something much different. Yeah, let me let me pick up Grizz's finger that's on the floor and finger it. Yeah, does it sense that I have a dead finger? It does sense that you have a, a dead finger within it, yes. Okay. So I have to scoop up my finger on the vase in the in the box that it came in. Can I do that? Well, how about if I how about if I use my wood to pick up the vase? That will always work. <laughs> Never fear, Dave. <laughs> Talented little devil. So what you notice on the vase on the other side, it looks like a ganazi. Ooh. Mm. So it's like etched in there or that it has some sort of relief that makes it look like a face? It has a relief. Cool. I'm trying to get relief. Leave me alone, will you? <laughs> CII, I declare you the winner. Yay, I won something. A very creative uh, what's in the box. I won something. <laughs> very nice. And that brings us to the end, correct? It does. All wow, right. That was fast. So, CIA, I heard you're going to another event coming up soon. Yep, it is convention season. I will be at Too Many Games from June 22nd. Do the twenty third. Actually, I think that's the date is wrong. That's only two days. It is. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so it will be the 21st to the 23rd. So Friday through Sunday, I will be at Too Many Games at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center in Oaks, PA. If nice. you want to come hang out, that would be awesome. They do a lot of tabletop gaming there as well. Uh, I have a tendency to be playing either Warhammer or X-Wing. <laughs> but I am willing to always play other games as well. There's a lot of play testers there. So if you enjoy play testing games, it's a great place to go to meet people and uh, kind of hand out your business card. Get them to know you too as well. Try to remind me uh, next year. I, that sounds like something I might enjoy. Okay. Because uh, I do like, and it's basically what I do at the expos is just play games. Yeah, and they have a lot of retro gaming there as well. So if there's a game you've been missing for your collection, it's a great place to go to find it. They also have an arcade. And Psycho Stick, which is one of my favorite uh, bands now, oh. uh, they will be there performing live. And they also have a burlesque show, which I'm a huge fan of burlesque. So Ooh. I would highly recommend going to see them. Nice. And then uh, that same weekend starts the Philadelphia Podcast Festival. Um, so for the last two weekends of June, um, the June 22nd weekend and then the 28th into the July 1st, uh, two weekends of podcasters live in the Philadelphia area. You can go to their website, and I'll ask you, Grizz, are you able to put that link on there? I don't know. Yes, I'll, we could do I'll that. drop it in here, um, what it is, but it, I think it's Philly Podfest, something like that. Um, but you can check out the schedule if you want to go and meet podcasters from the area. I know uh, my group, Magic and Steel, will be June, whatever that Saturday is, June 22nd or 23rd. That Saturday will be at Tattooed Moms on South Street recording uh, at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. You can check out Magic and Steel. Come and say hello. And then uh, July 28th, what's going on then? It's a Thread Raiders birthday extravaganza. Woo -woo -woo. And that's so a gaming excited. day. One whole year of Thread Raiders. Oh, that's incredible. And yeah, we will be doing lots of gaming. Um, not sure exactly what we'll be streaming, but I know that there's going to be some RPGs and video games involved. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. And then, of course, uh, Gen Con uh, in August, the very first week of August, 2nd to the 5th, Thursday through Sunday, uh, we'll be at Gen Con. I personally will be running some games for Cobalt Press. My games are sold out, but there's a ton of uh, games if you want. Make sure it is a ticket system, the way they do it, which is kind of nice. It's very organized, Gen Con. So make sure you go in there and get your tickets for events that you want to uh, get into um, because tickets sell out fast. We CA will definitely be there, right? I will, but if you want to meet up, you got to let me know soon because I already have a lot of people on my list and I want to make sure I get everybody in and schedule everything accordingly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I'm really excited about it and I heard that they have True Dungeon there my first year trying it out, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Oh, you're going to do that? Oh, yeah. You know it. It was expensive, but it sounds like an awesome thing. And Patrick uh, Rothis, who's from Acquisitions yeah. Incorporated, he said it was a really great experience and he highly recommends it. So Wait, Patrick, it. he's the author, isn't he? Of True Dungeon? No. Patrick Rothis, isn't he the author, he's an author of yeah. um, mm -hmm. The Breeze, The King's Word, or what the heck is that called? Great book. I forget the name of it. The Wind, The King's Name on the Wind or something. Mm, um, yeah, he is a writer. But okay. I, don't know. I haven't read any of his things yet. Well, you're nuts. <laughs> read it. Anyway, he has, I think he has three books that I'm aware of. I'm really mad that he doesn't write more. But mm -hmm. The Name on the Wind, I think it's called, but it's excellent. It's a real cool, different oh. take. Uh, you know, it's like old, 
back in the day fantasy type book. Uh, there's oh. magic involved and stuff. So uh, it sounds like something it. I would like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good, really good. Um, yeah, so we'll be there. And Amara, my DM from Quest for Magic and Steel, will be there as well. Yay. And uh, CA, um, let me know. Let's talk outside of this and let's pick a, a night that you think we could do uh, schedule an interview thing. Okay. Um, that'll work for you because I know you're busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or day, even, whatever. Um, okay. Because I know I have some free days uh, as well. But I'd like to, for you guys, if anybody listening is going to Gen Con, please hit us up. We are going to have a get-together with myself. Um, Of course, Amara will be there. Uh, CA will be there. And the writer of our audio drama, Arc City, um, will be there as well, Adam Christopher. And I'd like to do a podcast to talk about everything that we're all doing. And um, if there's fans that are in the area, I'd love to have them come and ask some questions and be part of the interview. Of the yeah. podcast. Cool. And what is our last thing going on? November 3rd is the Extra Life Fundraiser for Thread Readers. We are raising money for Children's Hospital. We will be streaming 24 hours straight RPGs and video games. Uh, there's going to be some tabletop loot giveaways as well and a silent auction. Nice. Mm-hmm. But you and don't do you- have to wait until November 3rd. You can uh, donate ahead of time if you would like. Just go to the Extra Life website and just type in Thread Raiders in the search bar and you can find us. Good. Very nice. All right. Got anything else, Grizz? No, I think we're good. Take us out, my man. Listeners, I just want to thank you for being here today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, in addition, we also want to thank Tabletop Loot, our uh, trustworthy sponsor. As well as our guest, Thambrius, uh, for being part of our show. Uh, also, for those of you listening on iTunes, we would really love it if you could uh, you know, give us a review, uh, help others to, to find us and improve the popularity of our show. Also, uh, you can check us out on threadraders.com. Um, in addition, we're also on Twitter and Instagram, but you can find all the links on threadraders.com. Yay. There you go. Say bye, kiddies. Bye. 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 <laughs>